This episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories is brought to you by Sports and Ortho. If you're a city employee and you get hurt, you have the option to request Sports and Ortho when you're being assigned some physical therapy, right? Yeah, absolutely. We can always choose us. We're on the city plan, so if you want to come to us, we are happy to see you. Yeah, you're, you're not locked into whoever they send you to. You can always make a request to go to a better facility if you'd like. And Sports and Ortho is a good alternative. We think so. back we're back after our break and we're just in time for february 14th 1980 you're a battalion chief you just got made and you guys had to have some idea that this was coming down the pipeline right this the strike didn't just come out of the blue for you my first question is are are, were chiefs at that time were they part of the bargaining unit were you guys still in the bargaining unit? right okay i just didn't know if then they were so well, it, it, things were heating up because of uh, manpower was a major, major issue, or lack of manpower. Plus, there were promotion lists in place, and they weren't promoting. They were just acting up people. They were acting up people, yeah. and they weren't paying. Yeah. So there was, you know, there was... Those are the two major issues, yes, right? those are major But the manpower major. was... Front and center of yeah of man, manpower in promotion list and stuff like that. Because did the city take you guys down to four man apparatuses? No, there was no, no, they they would never they never talked about how many men were on the rig. It's that wasn't even a, a no, terminology they, at that point. That's your that's your problem, you know. Yeah. <laughs> what? Because um, there were there there were less than four man rig, right? There were guys riding three. There was no not, rhyme or reason to anything. Not that, really. No, not theoretically. But could, could conditions, you? you know, okay, the water heater at your house blew up and your wife's on the phone crying. Uh, you took a duck. You said to the officer, I said, I got to do something. What should I do? Don't worry about it. Go home. Okay. Until some asshole on the second engine called the union to say they're letting guys go home, you know. It was little things like that, but but it was it was heating up. It was building, and then there was a vote. Should there be a strike? With no, local two, nobody thought there would ever be a strike. This was negotiations, and uh, negotiations of the contract at that point. Pressuring the city. No, okay. there was no contract. And, and there was. And they Jane was somebody pressuring okay. the city. For yeah. for a contract. For a contract. You guys wanted a contract. Yes. Okay. And Jane Byrne was the mayor, and she promised a contract. Promised a contract. And it, it just didn't happen very quickly. And uh, and finally, it happened, but mostly nobody believed it. No, that we're not really going on a strike, you know. Could, could, you, sure give, could you give an example of, like, what, what some of the gross... 
well, the gross examples up to that point were to you of like the manpower issue and the um, and the promotional issues. Like, you think of anything that just kind of stuck on your mind that like they would down a rig or they would do this. Like anything well, that really. As a captain, I would be occasionally the acting battalion chief. And say, so pull you and shove you on a buggy. Then a buggy, at that point? yeah. Okay. And then they have a a relief lieutenant in my place. And so I'd be the acting battalion chief. I'd make the rounds in the buggy, and then I would go to division headquarters and report to the acting division marshal. Who was probably a battalion Who was the battalion chief that I just (laughs) filled his place, you know. At captain's pay. Yes. So that's like one example I had. Sure. But that was probably citywide, you know. Yeah. And so it just built up and built up. And, uh, you know, I knew an old guy who was one out for division marshal. He was one out for five years. What is a rank of division marshal to us today? Because we don't have that rank anymore. Well, what would would that be? uh, You're a battalion chief. And then if you got promoted from battalion chief, you'd be a division marshal. He'd be on a shift, though. Okay. And so the deputy district chief would still be on a shift, but we didn't have district chiefs in those days, you know. So, yeah, it was that kind of stuff. They weren't promoting. uh, They weren't filling the manpower. And so that just added up and added up. And uh, so what, how did you guys, we've, you were the highest ranking guy during the strike that we've had on. We've had a fireman, we've had a lieutenant, We've never had anybody on the show so far that was a battalion chief. How do you get the phone call, and what were you advising the guys to do? Because I imagine as a battalion chief, people are coming to you, hey, Jim, what do we what do we do here? They're, they're asking us, should we strike? And at, at that point, you guys didn't have the comfort of knowing that you guys were protected under a contract. You ran, at that point, you guys still were at risk for losing your jobs and never getting them back. So what, what was that conversation like for you to everybody else? Well, you're saying that we were running the risk of losing our jobs and never getting it back. I didn't, I didn't think that was a realistic issue. First of all, we were never going to strike. And when we did, I said, oh, boy. <laughs> They're not going to fire everybody. Well, I think that, that, we're, that we're was the, the difference department. between you being a battalion chief because the guys who were blue shirt firemen at that time, they had a much different absolutely they did. perception of what yes. were the risks of going on strike. Yes. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't share your optimism about the strike. All right. I, I knew that I wasn't going to strike, uh, but I fully understood. We, we voted on the strike. I voted to strike. You voted to, you personally voted to strike? Yes. To show the city. Sure, as a show force. Here's right. what we've got, you know. Everyone's going to strike. And it had to be a majority amongst the members? Did the majority vote to strike? Well, it, oh, yeah. Did, in order for you guys to strike, did that vote have to be a majority? No, there was no, there was no rules because there was no rules. There was no real union. They were just getting a feel yeah, for what just, you guys wanted to do? Here's what we're trying to do, you okay. know. And a couple of the union leaders stepped up and became more radical. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, holy cow, these guys are crazy. But they meant business. Yeah. And they, 
they had done their homework, and they had they had this, and the, and the mayor had promised a contract, and she did she didn't deliver quickly. I don't know what you real realistically expected. You know, like are, are she going to have a contract on Tuesday or whatever? You know, but my understanding is they just wanted her to agree to the terms of a contract, right? Yes, yes. That's all they were looking to get out of her. Just. Right. When we write this up, we'll go, but we want your word that... We'll fill in the blanks later. Right, exactly. But remember, this was new to everybody. The fire department union was never uh, hard-nosed and strict. It, it got that way when the abuses started to add up, but nobody would ever dream that the firemen would go on strike. I think that that was the change for when the union went for just their guys into more of a political aspect of unionizing their men for with politics. It was a whole new generation of union guys. Yeah, to start with, you know. And uh, what do you mean by that? They were um, they were just guys that were taken a little bit more seriously than, than kind of, yeah. They were kind of making noise at the union meeting, but then frequently. They'd be out to dinner with the commissioner, stuff like that. Sure, you know? yeah, yeah. But you would never really notice the, like you said before, like the the union really generally had no bite up to that point, right? They had no leverage. Okay. Uh, what What do you have? You don't have a contract. The city's not violating the contract because they don't have one. Right. And uh, all they wanted was a contract. Okay. It was that simple. And the city probably could have bought this thing off with a little more, put some meat on the bone here, you know. Sure. And, and we'll negotiate the rest of it on Wednesday, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, we had a, a guy on, um, I think it was Leo, actually, who was on here, who said he got the phone call, he got the Marshall Line phone call, and he was like, walk out. He was told to walk out. Were you working when, the, when that happened? I was not working. Okay. No, I... I I wouldn't want. I would not want to be in position <laughs> to be in the firehouse when somebody calls you and says to walk out. Who is this? You know. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, but so that was a ballsy move on uh, everybody else. I, I, it was not a that difficult decision for me as a chief. I mean, somebody's got to stay in, and we ended up with three chiefs stayed in this, in the like the busiest firehouse in the city. But they were they were still strikers, but they stayed in just. No, no, the three chiefs did not go. They out. didn't walk. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. that but everybody was okay with that because they knew the situation, or they kind they just of had woke, they yeah. aligned differently. They respected the chief position. Okay. And they understood. That, I don't think they ever expected the chiefs were going to go out. But uh, Howie McKee was my partner. He was an old timer. And he had three sons on the fire department. And Howie McKee was just, he was near retirement, but he was idolized by everybody. He was the captain of Snorkel Squad 3. Mm -hmm. And so he just didn't understand it. You know, it just, now his kids are coming to the firehouse. And the policeman was at the firehouse on Cottage Grove. And we responded to three or four runs we didn't have much, but uh, I think I was driving. The other two guys were quite a bit older than me. And uh, the kids 
the three sons came. And the, there was a noise at the front door, and the cop came in and said, hey, these guys want to talk to their father. I said, let them in. I'm not going to cry now, but I'm fighting it off. It was the saddest thing I ever saw. Come on, Dad. They wanted their dad to walk with them. Yeah, come on, Dad. And and Dad was older and not up to speed, you know. And and they said, uh, he, he said, I'm going home. And they took him home. No kidding. It was the saddest thing. It really was. And, and it was the right thing for the boys and for him, you know. And so they had convinced him to, to walk off to strike he, with them. He just had to go, yeah. yeah. And this was his whole life. Sure. You know, he had 40 years on the job at the time. <laughs> see it all crumble in front of him mm. for his kids, you know. Terrible. I got you. So, you. so you're saying that he was just, he was concerned about their future. And he, he was, was just, he just didn't understand. Sure. You know. So, yeah, it was, it was a very sad thing. And, and then the... Uh, they closed the firehouse and took us out. There's no sense in having two of us there. Right. You know? And we all gathered at uh, division headquarters, the guys who stayed in. And a couple of guys, the guy that was my driver, he stayed in the first day. And I said, hey, Ed, he's giving me the royalty stuff. And I said, I, I appreciate your support. He said, but don't do this. Do you take your advice? I said, they're going to eat you alive. Yeah. When this is, go ahead, just go. Well, I, I know when uh, we had Kevin Casey on, those guys would, you know, do the barrel outside, but they would still respond to they fires did. in the neighborhood. They did with us, and yeah. they saved our ass one time. Yeah. yeah it, 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 uh, what happened? Uh, it was an old, run-down, uh, probably half-vacant hotel, at 55th in, uh, I'm say Wabash. And we were able to lead out. <laughs> but we couldn't do much. And we were up there, and things were getting worse. And we were thinking, how are we going to get out of here? Oh, you thought, well. <laughs> I mean, out of here. Next thing you know, here comes three motherfucker strikers <laughs> <laughs> with a line. Yeah. Get out, they said. <laughs> and we did. Yeah. We did, and we are glad to see him. It was hard. It was, it was hard after when it was over and went back to work. Uh, yeah, tell tell us about how that is when you guys go back and, you know, the tensions between the guys who walked and the guys who didn't. Um, what was well, that relationship? In this house, there wasn't too many guys who didn't. Yeah, but then guys they hired, they sent a couple to our place. Uh, our engine did not have an engineer for a long time. And uh, they sent a, a newly promoted engineer who was a fireman on the west side. And he was a black guy. And uh, and they sent a fireman, another black guy. And uh, so I was out of the cooking club, and they were out of the cooking club. So I, I talked with the captain who was on my shift. He was a tough guy. And uh, I said, I don't why, why were you out, though? They, they made you stay out? or you? They wouldn't cook for me. They wouldn't, okay. Which, because of what happened? I knew yeah. that was coming, yeah. Oh, did you? Okay. So uh, 
I mean, I, I've got a car. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about me. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I said, don't be messing with these guys. They had nothing to do with this stuff, you know. Well, man, and they started all that shit, you know. So uh, by the second or third day, I called the companies together in the park, all my companies that were in the battalion. And I said, guys, I fully understand what happened, how it went down. I know you're upset I didn't go on strike. That's, that's gone. That's history. I understand why you did what you did. And I said, I am going to continue to operate the way I did before the strike. So if you liked the way I operated, we're going to have to do a little better here with messing with these young guys that had no role in this. Yeah, but they shouldn't have taken the job. And I said, come on, man, they're, they're on a list for four years. They're dying to become firemen, you know. So I said, if you're going to mess with them, then I, I, I'm going to mess with you. So what, it's your battalion. There's 37 of you. There's one of me, you know. So we're going to we'll do it the way you want to do it. We continue working together, and, and so we did. Yeah. So you did your best to kind of level the playing field to make sure that everyone was just... It was quiet on my battalion, on my shift. I didn't give a shit about sure. beyond that. You know, yeah. that's, and, uh, you know, I said, I don't care what the other guy is telling you. You 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 can have it the way you want it. Which, I mean... So and I was not at all a hard-nosed guy. It's just, no. it made sense. Let's let's enjoy our day. Yeah, and, and I mean... And, and we did. To your credit, you know, I, I'm... I'm not sure how many people realized it, but to your credit, it sounds like you, if anybody's got to be the villain here, it's going to be me. You know, if, yeah. if, you know, non-strikers as well as strikers, you know, if yeah. they've got a problem, they're all going to have the problem with me instead of with these yeah. guys or against these guys. So it sounds like. They knew the situation they were in and they worked extra hard. And at one point we, we had a fire in a great big strong guy, and I was on the scene of this apartment fire before the companies were, and I went up the stairs, and, and I said, hey, "We got something going here." So the engine was coming with the hand pump, and I went down. and I said, "Yeah, lead out. You you got something here, you know." So the hook and ladder guy, uh, his name was Richard Atkins, and. Uh, the old hard-bitten captain was with him, and he says, oh, we got to get this door open. Well, Richard Atkins stood up and took the door frame and everything down. <laughs> so when the fire's out, <clears throat> they're back in the firehouse, and, and uh, they're sitting on the back step of the hook and ladder, and the truck officer and the engine officer are talking amongst themselves. They didn't see me walk up on the conversation. But they said, did you see that? what he did, you know. And and the engineer he says the engineer he had he had two lines off before I knew what was going on, you know. And so I, I said, Hey guys, be sure you keep that to yourselves. Don't tell them they did well. <laughs> and I walked away. <laughs> and later on I guess you <laughs> So it was yeah. Relatively peaceful. Sure, yeah. You know. I mean, it sounds like you kind of did as much damage control as you could yes. as, as quickly as possible. Well, this tensions went on for years and years and years. Did, um, what was your, what was your overall feeling about 
about the strike and and like how, how'd you feel about like in in the I mean looking back on it do you do you feel like you kind of made the best of a bad situation or yeah. what do you think it, it was coming you know it was coming yeah the abuses if you don't mind me using that word were adding up yeah and uh I just wish Jane Byrne would have moved on faster, you know. I, I don't know that she could have she could have stopped the strike, although I can't blame her for the strike. It was adding up and uh, all those things. And uh, Do you think if she wasn't there, it was going to happen inevitably? Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you? Yeah. But the fact that she was a... New to the office. A female. Yeah. That, that was one of the issues, you know, obviously. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, they, they weren't going to take it from anybody, let alone from her. No, it, it, so. was, it was building, it was building, it was building. And then, you know, here she is, a female, who, who kind of had an attitude about herself. Sure. And uh, it, it, she came at the right time or the wrong time, and it spilled out. But it was coming. No doubt about it, it was coming. Well, how long did you stay a battalion chief before you moved on? Uh, probably three years or so. And Oh, they brought in a new commissioner. Okay. Uh, from California. Oh, it, so uh, William Blair. Geiger. My understanding is he wasn't very well received by the Chicago Fire Department. John Wayne would not have been well received by the Chicago <laughs> Fire Department. Oh, yeah. So, yeah okay. Yeah. But no, he no, was all fairness he, to this guy. Yeah. yeah, he was an outsider, and uh, was not familiar with big city or cold weather stuff. And then the the guy that climbed up the side of the Sears Tower, and they tried to stop him, you know, which they should have. Then they try shooting him down with. Uh, well, that's the story. Yeah, that uh, with a, a his line. his strategy or somebody's strategy, but he took the heat was to wet down the side of the building. And so his suction cups would not work. And he would not fall, but he would stop. And so it got painted as he tried to wipe him off the building, which wasn't yeah. true. But the guy was, um, he was out of his place, you know. and uh, But he was there when they were starting the contract stuff. And uh, he wisely... He needed a guy from who was a street guy to be his right-hand guy. And I don't know who nominated, but Ray Orozco. Was, he, he was a... Um, deputy district chief? I, I don't even know if we had that. See, we didn't have all those ranks. Right. So Orozco became his go-to guy. And Orozco had him, what was new to the program was appointed ranks. Uh, for the longest, for all of our history, you took an exam for everything but the fire commissioner. Oh, really? Yeah, so okay. the, the uh, division marshal exam, uh, and then after that was, um, I think a deputy commissioner was a title but we didn't have all those divisions. And uh, 
Blair reorganized the place. Jane Byrne did not trust anyone on the fire department, which I would understand. 93% of the guys walked out the door. And <laughs> Is that the number, 93%? I, I believe that's... Holy. And the top-ranking chiefs told her, no, it won't, it'll never happen. Right. It's, it's not going to happen. Right. So she didn't trust anybody on the fire department. But she had a, two trusted police lieutenants that she relied on for a lot. And uh, she asked them what she should do with the fire department. She wanted one of them to come over to be the uh, first deputy. And he said, no, I'm, I'm reorganizing with police and stuff. And he said, well, I need somebody from your group. She and wanted a police officer to... She wanted somebody on the fire department. To be the department. second well, command sure. of the... Yeah. Somebody she could trust. Right. The mayor, it could have been from Streets and Sands, probably. <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah. these guys recommended Charlie Roberts. And he was a young guy. He was my age. He was a police sergeant or a lieutenant. But he was a college guy. He taught college classes. He was an organization guy. And they brought him in. And, of course, you know how warmly he was right. received by the firemen. And then, oh, bullshit, he's not coming to a fire and, uh, you know, and all that stuff. And I said, slow down. Now. Have you ever seen him in a fire uniform? No, but slow down. He's here to help with the organization. We, we had an organization. There were no secretaries. Well, it was division headquarters. There were seven division headquarters. There was mm -hmm. no secretaries. There was no clerical. It was the white-haired division marshal on his shift. There were three shifts. Huh. So the division marshal that I worked for told me, you know, next day, Joyce, since you're, you're the senior battalion chief, you're going to be the division marshal. And he said, there's, I'm going to be off, and there's a, a transfer order coming out. Be very careful because they're going to assign relief lieutenants and stuff. My two partners will steal them all. This is how, and this was legitimate. The division marshal carried a three by five index card with his manpower for the day. And if he took a day off. You didn't have any idea who was working. The other guys would raid his. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was there. So this is, this is what, there was no structure here. The, the structure for general orders was kind of haphazard. So Charlie Roberts came in. Everybody hated him. But he was an organization guy. He redid the whole uh, general order process that you have now. He hired secretaries. It, it wasn't division headquarters. It became district headquarters. And there wasn't seven. There was uh, six. And, and uh, there was... Deputies in charge of different things. And uh, we never had a deputy fire commissioner in charge of EMS. So what we had was a senior paramedic who they didn't give a rank to or a position. So uh, Charlie Roberts did all that stuff. And he, 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 he brought in copying machines. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> 
the division marshal would have to do his monthly manpower projection. In triplicate. With the, I don't even know the, the words. Oh, the carbon. No, the, no. the oily stuff. Mimeograph. You had, they had to run that. <laughs> that's what it's called. Are you serious right yeah. now, Vince? That's what it's called. That's what, that's what Vince no, Yeah, what year did the mimeograph come out? <laughs> yeah. Listen, that's what his fucking birth certificate says. Hey, mimeograph, mimeograph was... Were we trying to raise money for mimeographs? No, mimeograph was... <laughs> Thanks, Vince. <laughs> How no? close. I was going to say college nickname, but no. whatever. No, no, no. No, no we're coming up better at that. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure we're good. He's, he's a couple in. But the, the division marshal, the division marshal, who frequently, they were older guys, you know. Yeah. But this copying stuff. It was, they, like, it was like witchcraft to these guys. Yeah, they get a young fireman to come up right. and do that work, yeah. you know. Copy hey, machine. Hey, kid, right. get over here and work the copy yeah. machine. Yeah, yeah copy machine. Yeah. Charlie yeah. Roberts changed you know, all that. He, he had secretaries in division headquarters. And it took a cop to do oh. this. Yes. It took oh, a cop that's to the organize. worst part. <laughs> and he had copy machines. to come up with mimeograph. He, he had all that stuff, and it, it really pissed people off, you know. So so what you're saying about him being an organization guy, like, you don't mean necessarily to the organization. Like, he was just, like, Literally good at organizing. organizing. Yeah, organizing, like, the logistics of the fire department. Like, he really kind of brought things in. To be they like, could have taken Charlie Roberts... To American can, and he would have, and he would have gotten, gotten it under right. control. He he's, was that. Shy. He's the fixer. You think he knows anything about podcasting? Dude, <laughs> he's he's passed away. Oh, oh. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. He he was. We'll take a second. He was terrific, and uh, he he. Um, I met him. He he was the same high school class. Maybe he went to Mount Carmel. I went to Leo. And we we mm. knew each other a little bit, but. Roscoe put a, a memo out for battalion chiefs who might be interested in an appointed position. We didn't have appointed positions. So this is the beginning of exempt rank? Yes. Okay. It was brand new. And Roscoe was the deputy commissioner at that point, you said? He, no, he was the the commissioner's guy. Oh. I don't even remember what his that's, you know, title was. That's what me and that's what me and Steve are. We don't have titles. We're just, we're just <laughs> the guys. Guy. Yeah. He, he became the brain for for um, Bill Blair. So I remember with the word go out about resumes, and I remember a battalion chief saying to me, Jim, what's a resume? What, hey, <laughs> what's this fucking French word right here? Yeah. So, it's got italic yeah. over the, the, the resume. I, I, resume. I, I think I've got a chance here. Well, I, I was actually sitting here thinking, like kind of doing the math. You had to be a very young battalion chief yeah. When you got made, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I was thinking right? the same thing. I mean, he had, had to be, be yeah. he had nowhere to be near your 15, age. 18, <laughs> nowhere <laughs> near your age right now. Well, like 15, 18 years on the job, probably when you were. Not even. I, don't, I had uh, 15 when I became a battalion chief. 15? Yeah. Solid. <laughs> yeah. So I submitted my resume, and Blair had me with about six or seven other guys. And, uh, we were interviewed by the mayor, by uh, Jane Byrne, and I was selected. So, uh, along with other guys, and, and uh, what was that? how many guys went into this thing? Well, when I was interviewed, it was probably seven of us, six of us. So okay. you were one of the first exempt rank people in the Chicago Fire Department. I, I don't know if that's true, though, Vince. But I was no, there was no because I filled in for a guy. I was a relief 
deputy district chief. Okay. And I went around all over the city, you know. Yeah, but it probably sounds like that was one of the first exempt ranks that had any type of process to it, though. You know, rather than, like, a hand-picked guy that, like, gets put in as whatever. Like, they actually went through some type of process where there was an interview, right? Or I, can, I can't tell you that for sure, but well, I know yeah. I did fill in for guys who had been deputy district chiefs, but they couldn't have been for very long, you know. Dude, that's the thing with the 15, like... It's not like he had 15 years as the uh, as a battalion chief. He had 15 right, years, that's what I'm saying. and he was the senior battalion chief. Right, right. He's the senior battalion chief. Well, he's, he's, the the cor- senior. he's the Corey of yeah. Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the guy. I'm the guy right now. You know, that's the hero we want. Yeah, it's not the guy we asked for. Right, right. The that's guy we fun. got. But, right. Referring yeah. to Corey, not you, right. sir. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, when no, we refer to Corey, it's the hero we got, not the hero we asked right. for. Whoever is listening to this podcast, I'm not part of this group. No, <laughs> no, no, no. We actually yeah. he, nobody listens to right. this thing. Yeah, if, if anybody does this, this they got to know that. Like, this is just a conversation between Vince and, and the commissioner. Yeah, this and, isn't even on. And yeah, Vince is actually dubbing me and Steve into the. Me and Steve are just sitting in the gym right. by ourselves. Right. You guys are. This is actually dubbed in from the Rig Vega. Right. Right. Every time uh, you say something else, I have to yeah. cut out Rig Vega. So I'm sorry. So continue, Rick. Where, where were we at? <laughs> well, I was appointed deputy district chief, and I was a relief guy. I went around different uh, districts, you know. And at some point, the third district, which is the far northwest side, it's Edison Park. Yep. Uh, it's at Milwaukee Avenue. Uh, they had a legendary west side tough guy battalion chief who was appointed to that district. And uh, it didn't go well for him. <laughs> no. Uh, he... Everybody loved this guy. He just thought, this, this is the fire department. We get along. We do this stuff. But one of the hard-nosed, tough union guys, <laughs> I cut it at that, was in the house with this guy. And he was, and he had a manpower guy. He had a young fireman who did the manpower on the computer. And he messed with this guy every day. He, he, oh boy. This guy was a big, tough yeah, right. lieutenant. He browbeat this kid. And he messed with him and messed with him till the, the kid uh, transferred out. He left. Oh, really? So now this legendary battalion chief does not have a manpower guy. He doesn't know how to do the computer with all that other shit, you know. And it, it, it worked on him. It worked on him. And... Uh, he called the uh, the boss uh, and says, "I'm I'm out of here." He said, "Oh, like retiring?" Yeah. Oh wow. And he said, "Get somebody to take my place." He said, uh, I, "I'm I don't I had a wonderful 34 years. I don't have to end like this." And so the word kind of got out. They're looking for a new guy to be the district chief. So my partner as a district chief was a guy named Jack Sterling. He was an old-timer. And he called him, Jack, I need somebody to go to the 3rd District and take over the 3rd District. And Jack Sterling says, I've got 39 years, and that's all you think of me? 
send me to that cesspool of assholes, and he went <laughs> off on this guy. Well, wait a minute. He said, I'm not going there. Forget it. Well, he said, who, who am I going to send there? And he says, try my partner. He's a smart young guy. <laughs> Who's your partner? He said, Jimmy Joyce. And this guy didn't like me for a long time. No, he's, he's too young. He, no, he's too young. Oh. Okay, well, call somebody else. So I got a call at home one day from this big chief. He said, you know, I'm going to interview a number of people for that third district position. Might you be interested? I said, I'd consider it. <laughs> and I knew, I knew damn well that he wasn't interviewing anybody right. because they all said, fuck you. Right. you know? And so I went down for the interview, and now I, I was upset the way he, he didn't like me at all. And so I started fucking with him. Popping off a little bit. Yeah. He said, uh, you know, well, if you consider this, if you'd uh, like it. I said, yeah, I, I think I'd like it. I know the routine. Uh, you know, I fill in uh, the first district. And, um, well, when I go there, I kept saying, when I go there. <laughs> I just, and uh, I kept saying, when I go there. And uh, he said, well, you know, uh, let me think about this. And we called me the same night. And said, if you would go there for a week and ride with, I won't, I'm not going to give his name, but, and he'll break you in and all that stuff. And I said, okay. So. It's called owning the sale. That's what Vince says. <laughs> he said, you go to the interview and you own the sale. So on, on day three of me going to learn. Cesspool. You ride along. He threw me the keys to the buggy <laughs> and said, drive me home. Come on. Yeah. It was that bad. And he lived in an apartment near, yeah. uh, near O'Hare. And I drove him. He broke down, and we both sat in that car crying. He said, all these, li I love this fire department. And I never thought I'd see the day where other firemen could do that to you and all that stuff, you know. So I became, so I... <laughs> Back and I called the guy. He says, uh, "You know, uh, the chief. He's gone. What do you mean he's gone? He's he's gonna stay the week." I said, "He's gone, gone." No, no, yeah. <laughs> so if you have somebody else, you better get him up here. No, you stay there. You know. Well, I was there. I don't know. A year, we'll say. And it was very difficult for me to go from 106th in California to up there. Up yeah. there. Dan Ryan was under construction, oh. and this guy would call almost every day about 4.15 to see how things were going. <laughs> right. So I'd be getting home at 7 o'clock, you know. So I said, I don't know how this is working. So anyway, a vacancy ended up on the west side. This sounds exactly like the conversation I had with Steve when I moved to the third shift. Like crying in the car, like it was the exact same thing. Uh, it was a horrible experience. Yeah, yeah it was terrible. Um, so I was Steve, able. Can to we get a T-shirt too that says "Cesspool Assholes"? I want yeah. that one for our next <laughs> podcast. <shirt. laughs> 
So I, I, I mean, it's an accurate description. It's, that's exactly yeah. what I was like, I was like hey, we'll give you yeah. 50 years later back yeah. in the cesspool. Still throwing bullseyes <laughs> over here. So I was able to take the move to the 4th District on the west side. There you go. Halfway home. There so you you're go. feeling... You're and, feeling a lot better. and that didn't work out for me. I, oh, no. I, I, I was, fourth district well, did. One of my <laughs> ace guys was uh, Kevin Casey. And uh, they knew me, and I loved working with those West Side guys. But I got hurt. Oh, okay. Oh, no. And I got hurt bad. So I went into a building where. Uh, has a chief. Has a chief. <laughs> and it was a, a warehouse that came down on my head, you know. And. Uh, I mean, it was just a big, huge mistake on my part. Yeah, I, I really. What, what What was the yeah. mistake, though? Going in the building, just just <laughs> <Yeah>. stepping <laughs> foot in chief, there, being a chief. Going. But yeah. you, but that's nothing that you haven't done your whole career, right? You, just like that that last one where you went in and told those guys start pulling line. We got something up here. Yeah, that's that's kind of how you operated. Yeah, it, but it, that you, was small time. This was you couldn't huge. leave your lieutenant. And what you learned as a captain, you were doing the same thing back then. You now just doing it as a chief, right? I went too far. Yeah, and I really got it. What was the extent of your injuries? Chief, well, I'm sorry. Real quick, can we? Do you mind setting the stage here, Chief? Uh, chief, um, it was at uh, Chief. If you're familiar with the Eisenhower Expressway, yeah, 4400 West, it turns mm-hmm. around what was a grain elevator. Oh. Okay. It, it's painted and has a big Budweiser. I don't know what it yeah. is now, but right. it's a, a, a former grain elevator. Okay. And then next to it, to the east, was a one, one and a half story uh, commercial like truck warehouse and stuff okay. like that. You yeah. Know. Shipping and yeah. Yeah. And, and the, a young woman set fire to this one story building oh. because her husband was. Playing around on her. And Sounds accurate. Stuff. Sounds yeah. right. right. Yeah, I believe the story. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so. And, and so is it so I'm in my office. or middle of the night? Or? No, it was in the morning. I'm in my okay. office, and uh, the legendary battalion chief, Tommy O'Donnell, is in there with me, and Kevin Casey, and he, they're partnered up on a lot of stuff. And Tommy O'Donnell's talking and talking, and I love everything he has to say. <laughs> He gets a call to this address. I think it was 44-something West Lexington. It was Frontage Road along the Eisenhower. Right. And uh, I know that address so well. <laughs> he right. says, well, I'll talk to you later. And off he goes. Well, he pulled a box on it, and I think he pulled a 211, and I went on that. And uh, So you show up now. I show up. And what's your role in, what's your role in, in a fire like this? I, I'm in charge. Okay. And I pulled a... Uh, so you really do don't have any business going inside there. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> you got it, Vince. <laughs> Who'd you, who did you relieve? A, a battalion chief at that point? Yeah, I didn't relieve him. I superseded him, yeah. And then the deputy right. district chief was there, and and then I think I pulled a 311 or a 411. Oh, really? And then the deputy commissioner. And, and so these guys move up. They go into, like, maybe different sectors or different, yeah, different right, stuff exactly. they got going yeah. on. And so you're you're kind of calling the shots on the scene, and you elevate the box, you said? Yeah, but pretty quickly it came down on my head. Oh, did you elevate the box while you were inside? No. Oh, okay. No, outside, but... Uh, yeah, and then so what, what made you go inside? I wanted to figure out if we could cut it off. Sure. Before it was going to keep traveling, you know? Yeah, you were trying to be a little bit more strategic. Yeah, it was stupid. Oh. Stupid. So 
the big grain elevator thing, probably five stories, came down. Oh, wow. On the roof of the one I was in. <coughs> so In a different building? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was uh, probably predictable that it was coming down, too, you know. Uh, yeah. So I was, uh, I was out for quite a while, and uh, I was in the hospital. So while I was in the hospital. How'd they get you out? Digging by hand. Really? Yeah, I was covered. How, how long did it take to get you out? Yeah. I, I don't know. Were you knocked unconscious, like completely out? For a while. Yeah. But I, I knew because I could see to where I was on my ass with the shit piled on me. I could see the windows. Okay. And I could see guys moving quickly. And then it was uh, all those hurling kind of guys. Yeah. <laughs> Small by, stout. By, by hand. Yeah. Taking boards off and everything. And, uh, and they put me on a board and took me out in the street and... Uh, how long were you buried about, you think? How long? Yeah. Were you buried for a while? 10, think? 15 minutes, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, sure. I, I don't know. Long enough. Yeah. But uh, Was anybody with you or you were by yourself? No, there was another guy with me, but he got knocked by the debris off to the side. He was okay. Just pushed out. Okay. Yeah. So when the paramedics got me and they cut my coat open and I was laying on the sidewalk, and the paramedic said, holy shit, look at his back. <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> I knew I had trouble, yeah. So uh, they took me to Northwestern because they had a spinal cord unit, you know, so. Oh, so you were just all twisted up and. Yeah, everything was broken. Oh, my God. Yeah, my leg, my shoulders, my head. So anyway. Your head? Yeah. Holy yeah. fuck. I used to be six foot eight. <laughs> <laughs> you said the same thing. Yeah. Well, your head's broken in a different way, Corey. So. Oh, on the inside. Fair. Yeah. Fair. On the inside. And not the one on top of your shoulder. So, so things, things happen yeah. when you're out, so of, out did, of business. How did that injury change the course of your career, though? Because well, along it, came April. Okay. And I was still in the hospital. This happened in January. This is a lady friend? No, the I'm month. Thank you. Jeez. <laughs> Mayor Daly was elected mayor. Yeah, pay uh, attention. <laughs> and so, Galenti, the West Side guy, had been the commissioner. He retired, and Ray Orozco was named commissioner. So he did his own reorganization, and he, he called me in the hospital. He said, when are you getting out? I said, I don't know, right? <laughs> Fucking back's broken, you, man. You, you, you've already been in the hospital for four months uh, at this time, I right? went in January 10th, and I got out uh, April, April something. Yeah. In the hospital the whole time? Well, I was in the spinal cord unit for a month, and then two months at the Shirley Ryan. It wasn't Shirley Ryan at the time. It was okay. the re, uh, uh, RIC. Did you have to get, like, teach you how to walk again? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, he says, we'll talk. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, he saved a place for me. Had you had a relationship with? Oh, yeah, with we were. Yeah, we went way back. And yeah. As company officers. And I was going to say, where'd you meet him as company officer? In the old 12th Battalion, 63rd oh, okay. in Halsted. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what was open for me was. Yeah, what, what was he saving for you, though? Deputy Commissioner of EMS. <laughs> okay. Perfect fit. So, so they. Uh, and, so, what, and what year was this? Early eighty nine. 
80, oh, late 80s. 89. Okay. Yeah. So I right away went to EMS school, or EMT school, became an EMT. I was the first one to become an EMT. <laughs> oh, no kidding. No, the fireman never gave a shit about that stuff, you know. Okay. So uh, then it, after, uh, I don't know how long, then I became the administrative deputy commissioner. And after that, they named paramedics as deputy commissioner from then on, you know, so which was the right thing to do. You don't always need an old fireman to tell you how to run the ambulance ever, which is what they had. But was it, so people look back on those days <coughs> and when they make moves like putting a guy like you into EMS, it it conjures up the idea that because it's the Chicago Fire Department, and you, you you hear this, you know, this has been going on since, you know, EMS came since, to the fire since department. yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was it actually like that, or it was just they didn't have a guy ready to take that position yet? It wasn't that they wanted a firefighter in that spot. They just didn't have anybody that high up in EMS because nothing like that existed, right? It didn't exist, and uh, certainly they had talented paramedics, you know. Sure, but nobody... But they never did that. rank that structure before. didn't exist. It did, no, it never did. I was so say, so this was, was no, you, this position was created for you at that point? No, there was a guy, in, a fireman. Oh, there was? Yeah, okay. yeah. But I, I said to Orozco, I, I should be the last chief hero. Right. Once I'm able to walk straight <laughs> and go to fires again, yeah. Let's get somebody else here. And that you kind of got that spot because they were trying to take care of you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they, they exactly. had a spot that that you could kind of you could do while you're still trying to do your rehabilitation for your injuries and stuff like yeah. that, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thus, Uh-oh. Stanley Zidlow. That that's okay. Look at how that works. Episode. Do we know what episode? <laughs> that's no. got to be four oh, or five. Yeah. yeah. With Paul. Cialino. The most yeah. the second most expensive podcast I've ever heard. <laughs> well, you would know better. What what's the board of uh <clears throat> the, the ER guys from uh Oh the PMDs? The PMDs. The, yeah. I, w- I was a PMD. Oh, were you really? Well I was the fire department representative. <laughs> Doc, okay. Doctor Commissioner. Doctor Commissioner. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor EMT Commissioner. And it was uh, John Barrett from Cook County. Uh Zidlow was um the overall guy, but he was easing out. And you had uh, Kai Glushak and um, the guy from the University of Chicago, Steve Adams from Northwestern. And so we had monthly get-togethers, you know. And Zidlow was... Was he really a, a much of a ball buster? Yes. As, as <laughs> yes, and yeah. I could see all these younger ER guys were... Chafing under the... <laughs> I was going to say, like, these... Does these he live g- up to the hype? Yeah, he, he, he was a strong leader. Yeah. He, he, was a, he was a military veteran, right? To, I, I don't know that. Right? He was in the Air Force or something like that? Yeah, I he, don't know. He, he, he was... I can't remember what he did, but he he did something in the military, yeah. Yeah. Well, he had much to do with the helicopter at the University of Chicago. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So, at this point, he's he's the head of all these doctors? He thought he was. <laughs> and, and, and in effect, he, he was part of the consortium he, that ran the EMS. And he, okay, and so he's he was the guy the same, that yeah. he kind of thinks he invented it, and he did. Yeah, in a lot of ways, you know, he was, he was the real McCoy, and he and he yeah. was a, 
a rough guy. He was not a North Shore doctor. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got it. Well, he, he grew up on he grew up on the west side, he, not far from one seventeen. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. No, he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's a fact. No, he he was quite a guy. Yeah. yeah. What um? So, what kind of relation did you have with him? Well, I was in touch with them regularly. Monthly, yeah, yeah. yeah, at least yeah because any decisions they made affected our paramedics. Sure. Yeah. What What was it like going from? I mean, you're a fireman and one of the busier companies in the city and you're going to fires and you're fighting fires and, uh, you know, then you take these leadership roles with, with the fire and all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, here's the ambo. I had no and problem. you're in charge. I had no problem with that. Yeah. I, was no, it, was I, I it like, learn. it caused me to learn. Yeah. Oh yeah. Did you ever have to ride on an ambulance? Oh, I would do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I certainly had to do it when I became a, a EMT. EMT. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What, um, so how long had the paramedics been working for the Chicago Fire Department when you got put in that role? Well, I don't know. When I, when I was a fireman all the way along, we had the Cadillacs. So the medics have been around? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I was there when, uh, uh <coughs> well, we brought in the uh, Pontiac station wagon. Station wagon, uh, yeah. That was a federal program. Is that like uh, the Ghostbuster trucks? Is that what we're talking about? Uh, the, the hearse? Oh, no, that was a hearse? No, yeah, was it, a hearse. in phasing the Cadillacs out. Okay. Uh, they had the Cadillacs, but there was a federal program to hire young people. You know? Was that the CETA program? Yes. Okay. We didn't have paramedics yet. They were right. just starting to show up. Right. The CETA program started to institute the EMTs yes. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, they had Pontiac ambulances. So uh, so these guys were, were fully in the fire department when uh, when you would... They, these guys weren't paramedics when they come on. They were EMTs. Oh, okay. But they, they were expected to... The fire department would send them or get them yeah, to become yeah, paramedics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories is brought to you by the Frontline Team... And their phone number is 630-534-2900. You guys can also email them at thefrontlineteam at thefederalsavingsbank.com. Peer support is so important. And I, I, I've realized that just over my lifespan that you have to be able to talk to someone. And if you're going through the mortgage process and you also have someone who has shared life experiences, and you're able to talk to them about the shit you're going through. Like, I didn't feel embarrassed about asking Josh a question. Yeah. Josh knows where I come from. You know, I'm like, hey, uh, I know this sounds dumb, but blah, 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 blah. I'm just a fireman. I don't know anything about banks mm -hmm. or mortgages or right. blah, blah, blah. I try my best, but that's not really where my, you know, my forte. And he, understa he understands that because I think a majority yeah. of the firemen out there, cops and paramedics, and like, we're so preoccupied with other things. It's like, dude, I just want a cheap loan and I don't want to get screwed. How, yeah. how does this work? Can you, can you help me out? And he's like, he understands that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. I, I love what we do. This episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories brought to you by Rescue One CBD, a firefighter-owned company taking care of first responders with their CBD oil that's guaranteed to be 0.000% THC, making it safe for the job. Enter promo code BRAVEST and you'll receive 25% off your order. Again, type in the promo code BRAVEST and you'll get 25% off all Rescue One products. 
go to rescue1cbd.com and place your order. You were actually explaining to me that you've been getting a lot of response from the listeners here about benefits of your CBD oil. Yes. Um, yeah, our CBD oil and the topical. And, um, you know, we, we've been a sponsor of the show for a little bit. I've been a sh- fan of the show for a while. And um, obviously, that kind of started the ball rolling where, you know, Chicago area firefighters have started using the product. But then, you know, I can tell that, you know, the word of mouth is spreading. And, and I, I just I get so much good feedback. I get such great responses. And I love seeing that part of it. It uh, it feels really good because it's why I started the business. It's it's uh, to help our guys and girls out there and seeing how it's it's working is fantastic. So um, for everybody that's, you know, supported us and uh, been loyal to the brand, thank you so much. And, you know, honestly, it's, uh, I think it's, it's a huge benefit for us. You know, I think that, um, you know, we're going to be on the cutting edge of something great. And is it, is that, did that start your path to where you wound up moving up to, you're starting to be groomed, right? to they're they're already starting to look at you for commissioner possibly right well i don't know that i mean uh daly was the mayor all this time and uh i went from uh, and then uh i went back to going to fires we get the 211 duty or the 311 duty from home at night you know so i started back right. and for that. people who don't know you're you're basically on call and the when like would you have a pager or something like that at the time? Yes, and they would call you at night for a major fire. Right, uh, and you took a turn. You took a week at that, and then I I was the deputy commissioner of EMT of EMS. I had a week, and then the <coughs> the administrative deputy would have a week. Uh, the fire prevention guy would have a week, and all that kind of stuff, you know. So I was back in going to fires, but you're strictly a supervisor at that point you're in the command van right command vans were new at the time you know so uh uh i made the move over to the administrative deputy commissioner which was really really interesting that's hiring firing pensions transfer orders that kind of stuff and uh and that put me on the pension board and so that was all, all this stuff is you're learning new stuff every time, and it was fascinating. Like you say, there was no bad days. You, yeah. You had to do this, you know. While I was the administrative guy, a thing came up at the National Fire Academy where they had a, um, a weekend, I won't call it competition, but there was stuff going on, and there was a number of scholarships and. I got one of the scholarships, and Orozco uh, told me I could go. And I went to Harvard. No kidding. And wow. For three weeks in Penn. Uh, for Penn State? Uh, no, not Penn State. Oh. Penn, Ivy League Penn. Wow. Yeah. And these were opportunities. Man. Yeah. What, what, what classes did you take at Harvard? It was uh, upper... Like a management class? Upper management classes. There was... A number of people in the in the class, they were, um, you know, you might get the chief of finances from the state of Missouri. You had different 
there was a the deputy chief of fire chief of St. Louis was with me. Did oh. you stay on? Did you have to live on campus? Yeah. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, oh yeah. boy, yeah. man. What yeah. Vince would do. I didn't, I didn't realize we were with an uh, Ivy, Ivy Leaguer here. Cool. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And th those are opportunities I had through the fire department. You know. And that looks good on a resume, huh? Well, it was too late then. I'm at the end of the For road. What? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> to be the president? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, but that was as the administrative deputy commissioner, I got into all new stuff. And at the time, the uh, minority groups were filing suit. About, about unfair practices? Yeah. And so the, the federal court required uh, transfer orders and uh, hiring paperwork, and that all came out of this office. And it was fascinating to hear. I remember when I came out of the fire academy where we had one black guy, and he knew where he was going because yeah. there was a vacancy right, there. You know? Right, bring it back. And so now... 30-some years later, here I am again. Uh, my office is, not me, but my office is presenting yeah. documentation Advocating to the federal court, right. you know. And so a couple of times, I, I didn't wear a uniform purposely, put an old jacket on, and sat in the courtroom just to listen. And there was two old guys, old black guys, who had been captains, my captains at one point. And they were sworn in to testify about what it was like for them, about their options, their transfers, their promotions and stuff. And it was absolutely fascinating because they laid out the history of the department, for better or worse. Right. From, from a totally different perspective that yeah, you hadn't seen. It, yeah. And these guys were hired when there was zero diversity. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. there was no diversity when I was in. Yeah. In fact... Okay, I came in at 65, so we'll say 68 or 70 when I went to truck 16. <clears throat> I found it interesting in a young, stupid guy way. On truck 16, there was a black on each shift, one. On engine 63, a black on each shift. Get detailed to engine 122, there was one black on each shift. I started to think, wow, what an accident this was. Huh. So I, I asked one of the, the black guys, I said, how did this go? And he said, well, when the, when the commissioner got pressured on uh, diversifying the fire department, he took two all-black companies and said, Just spread them out. You're going there, and you're going there. and you're... Wow. That, was, that, was, that was diversity. That was diversity in those days. Okay. Well, yeah. L let's get to how... How do you wind up being commissioner of at that time the second busy the second largest fire department in the country? Yeah, um, uh, I was the first deputy at this point. Oh, when um, Roscoe left, Ed Altman went from first deputy to commissioner, so he made me the first deputy. And uh, I'm going to say he had two years in office. He was the right guy for the job. He, he had been a deputy commissioner forever. And he knew the finances. He knew the budget stuff. He knew it all. 
and everybody knew him from City Hall, and he knew what he was doing. And I don't know if you guys were around when the videotape surfaced of... Uh, the partying? Partying. And, uh, that was on his shift or during his term? Yeah. And uh, it really, it would not get off the TV. It was 24 right. hours a day, you know. And it was under his watch. And there was... Was this the, what was this late? It was uh, early 2000s. like a Christmas. Yeah, right, right. Where they know were it yeah. drinking in the firehouse. But this was, yeah. what, late 90s, early 2000s? I think uh, it was still the 90s. No, it was the 90s. Yeah. Was it? Okay. Yeah. The video resurfaces every time there's a contract. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. It's constant. Yeah. Constant. Thank you, WGN. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it cost him the job. And... Uh, Oh, really? Yeah. So we had received yeah. tremendous yeah. pressure. Yeah, well, it's, somebody had to take the fall for that. Yes, yes. And this video, um, just that keep people maybe from looking up and getting a different opinion, it was just, it was partying on Christmas in a firehouse. It wasn't, it wasn't Christmas. Oh, it okay. was a, either a retirement or a, or a promotion for somebody, I don't know. Okay. And Drinking. They had a half barrel visible in a tape, and they uh, some guys were acting up and dancing and screwing around and uh, acting goofy and yeah. And they the rig had a couple of runs and they went into the very very nice area where Jesse Jackson lived. Oh, and the guys on the back step were commenting, making yeah making bad comments. Yeah, and, and this was this was all on a videotape. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like, you know, it was like the old VHS. I was going to say, like yeah. the old camcorder. Yeah. So, like what we're he takes the with. fall for that incident, and you were naturally next in line, right? Well, not necessarily, but I mean, it would figure. Did they, did they ask you, or did they just say, hey, Joyce? No, no, the mayor said, or the mayor never says anything to and this is daily assistant at the time. said, "Yeah, they said that uh, uh, you're going to be interviewed for the position." Okay. Are there a couple people, people in the interview for that, or you know, I don't recall. <coughs> but they have a funny way of doing things out of City did, Hall. Right. <laughs> they don't. I, they never say anything. I was just going to say, like, did you? But you a, get the message. There's, there's a like, guy that says. Right. Beats around the bush for you, just enough. Yeah, they never say. Huh? I was just say like, did you did you feel pretty confident going into? It's or not just, just really city politics knew? either. That's state politics for you too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I felt confident, and sure. uh, I would not have been offended if they took another guy because that's the way it goes, you know. Yeah. And even even today, uh, when I left the job, I, I could meet a guy today and say, "Boy, you really got screwed on that deal." And I said, "No, I didn't." I said, "Well, we'll when I we'll we'll get to we'll that because okay. we yeah. we'll, that that's a whole another topic that I don't want to to uh, pass up." Yeah. yeah, but I'm going to move us forward here because everybody wants to know about October 17th, uh, what year? 2003. Oof. Um, that was the, oh, uh, the, the 16, 16, right? The 16, and if. Anybody was to look you up, that comes up with a search of your name. Oh. You're synonymous with 69 West Washington. And uh, 
when we were promoting the fact that you were going to be here with us in the studio, we got a lot of uh, messages on social media saying they wanted you to talk about that, which we weren't going to have you in here and not talk about it because that would, you know, you were married to that, um, at least in, in the media. media standpoint. Yeah, right. exactly. So, um, and for me, some of the decisions that were placed upon your shoulders that you were married to in the press weren't even decisions that you should have been making anyways. Right. They were putting the, the like fire tactics and operations, actual stuff on your shoulders that you had nothing to do with. So, but has I'm the commissioner. You are the commissioner. Everything would ultimately fall on your shoulders. But um, talk, can you just talk us through this this fire here? Well, uh, I, I really, for the most part, was not at the fire. I'm not begging off this thing. I took a vacation day that day. <laughs> oh, really? And I went to uh, the Dominican sisters' mother house in Wisconsin. Two of my dad's sisters at the time were Dominican nuns. Is that, is that up in Lake Geneva? or No, it's it's near Galena. Oh, okay. All right. It's past Galena. It's called The Mound. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's near the Mississippi River. And so the, I went The Mound to, was actually Steve Scouch's nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Vince. So, oh, here he is. He's, he's yeah. fucking, fucking I went to visit them, and on the way back... Uh, some, I was around Aurora when I heard the radio stuff uh, becoming louder and louder, you know. So you're just listening in the car? So I'm listening in the car. and uh, Just just normally, or did you have, like... No, the radio's on all the it's time. It's just all, okay. Yeah. So uh, I called the fire alarm office. Probably I was near Naperville at the time. Yeah. And I said, what's going on? What do you have there? Because... The fire radio didn't work. Right. I was in the city, my city right. car. Uh, so they told me what's going on. You know? And uh, I don't know if they, I said, you're going to take it in? And I said, yeah, I'll take it in. But it's going to be a while. Right. You're an hour out from the city. Oh, yeah, at least, yeah. 30 miles outside of Chicago. Yeah. So I went and... Uh, but still, put me on that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm responding. I'm responding from Naperville. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put me on that road. I'm responding from the boat of beef in Naperville. <laughs> so I, I went to the fire, and uh, I guess the people who lost their lives were, had already lost their lives. But Yeah, that, that was six people in the stairwell. Right, yeah. And you personally got blamed for the fact that you didn't, Clear those stairwells. Right. Yeah. From Naperville. Huh? <laughs> well, it was. Uh, I was probably still in Wisconsin when they died. It, yeah. I'm not uh, excusing that. That's very unfortunate. Uh, again, it changed our tactics. Right. Well, it didn't just change your tactics. It changed everything. You guys w went and redid all the procedures. You actually wrote all those uh, orders and. Uh, Tactics have changed everything about how the city does high rises, right? You you yeah. basically wiped everything and started from scratch and rewrote 
the whole book on how the city handles high rises. And then we did a uh, extensive um, training sessions in various high rises. Can and the the basic message, and I, I, again, I don't, I'm not making an light of this, right? Oh. But when when you live in a building, and, and I'm not blaming the victims, when you live in a building. You should make it your business to figure out how to get out. How to get out. That if, if a building, if a stairwell does not open any place, think about that. So we, we yeah. had training sessions to that effect. If you guys don't mind, can we talk about what this exact incident is? So it's a it's a high rise fire. I'm assuming. Um, it's a big Cook County building. It's a big. Oh, it's a Cook County fire. It was the headquarters building of the. Big recreational company that built pool tables and boats, and um, I knew the building very well because on my side job, I drove a moving truck. Oh, and we did all the moving in that building. When were you doing a side job as a mover? During For what years. course of your yeah? Oh yeah, like up until like, when? Were you the up commissioner? To, were you the commissioner <laughs> with the side job? Work as a mover. Because no. I mean, like. I'd be impressed. I, yeah, I mean, not for now. <laughs> no, but I did have a side job. <laughs> when were you a mover? Were you were you bad chief yet? Uh, no, I stopped doing that when I became okay. chief. Okay, <laughs> because I hired, I hired all the guys. Oh yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, it was Werner Canelli Moving Company, the biggest moving company in the city, huh. named after the mayor Canelli. Mm. The mayor Canelli. Anyway, I, yeah. I was familiar with that building. Sure. Yeah. The county bought the building, okay, and they put millions of dollars into it. Most of the millions of dollars went to carpet, but not sprinklers and paint, <laughs> and no sprinklers. And aldermen, <laughs> no <laughs> sprinklers. Okay, here's my question: If the county buys the building, does the city of Chicago have any jurisdiction over the fire protection systems in that building? Sure. Okay. And there might be, I'll make up a number, I might be way off because I got some tension for my public statements before, recommending retrofitting older high-rises with sprinklers. All the sprinkler fitters must have loved you. Yeah, but the people that were more (laughs) important in my scheme of things... Didn't well, like it at all. That's that's well, got a couple be well, a couple million dollars to do well, retrofit yeah, and, a high rise. And, and the reason yeah, I ask is because I, I used to I used to work in a municipality that had the Cook County Water Reclamation District located in within their jurisdiction, and the small tenure I did as a, as a bureau guy, we didn't nothing. I, yeah. Hey, how you doing? And that was it. Like we, there, there was nothing. I didn't. We didn't inspect anything over there. We didn't, nothing. Yeah. But they chose to spend their money elsewhere. Okay. Which kind of bothered me, but I'm going to, I'll make up a number. I might be right or wrong. There might be 850 high rises in the city of Chicago that supersede the sprinkler ordinance that have chosen not to retrofit. Oh, okay. Because every February, 
That's a lot. You're going to have an old lady who's going to lose her life on Erie Street someplace, smoking. And, uh, oh, it's a shame. And then the newspapers will have a wonderful coverage on it and everything. And uh, why don't they have spring They take a year off. Yeah. Ask somebody else. Yeah. So There's that many high-rises. Now, a high-rise is anything over 80 feet. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this particular building, it was a fire that, uh, do we know what caused the fire at all? Or I don't even remember. Oh, <laughs> the the... Uh, Cook County building. I don't know what was ever determined. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember reading anything. No. Okay, I was just curious. Yeah, and so this fire was it elevated or? I'm assuming. It wasn't on the highest floors. No, but the smoke traveled, and the people on the upper floors were walking the getting in the stairwells and leaving, and the uh, the stairwells didn't open at certain points. And they got trapped. Steve just took the lieutenant's test. He calls that the stack effect, is what it's called. Oh, um, oh. The uh, and and so was it mostly smoke that was the issue that you guys were battling at that point, or what yeah. was okay? Yeah, I mean, when I got there, it, it was all over. Sure. Yeah, but but uh, but, but yeah, it was it was a smoke issue. Okay. How yeah. how big was the building? Oh, I don't know. Uh, 30, 40 stories. Oh, okay. It was, so it was a monster was building. Yeah. yeah. Oh, big, yeah. Big, a big monster building. Yeah. A, a beautiful modern building sure. without sprinklers. Okay. And so, what'd you say, Vince? 21 people died? No, no, no. no. Six. Oh, six. I'm six died Way in the stairwell. Okay. Yeah. Way off, Corey. It was an EMS plan three. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the six people actually died in the stairwell. Okay. But um, you, you took a lot of flack from that and. Th- pretty much the same outcome as your predecessor, you know, you kind of took heat for that, but stacked on top of that. And I find it ironic because you had done so much up until this point for diversity that you were kind of taking the heat for people making racial slurs on the radio. Yes. Right. You, you, that was stacked onto this that eventually led to, you leaving as commissioner. And I, I even read a quote, you you know, and rightfully so, I, I agree with your quote 100% that that there were only a couple bad apples that, you yeah. know, and the, and the whole department, a couple bad apples is what you're, they're really pinning on on your, your shoulders here. Yeah, this incident was a West Side uh, hook and ladder with a big mouth guy driving and... Uh, he was yelling at a, a car. A motorist. Yeah, or a, a car, yeah. yeah, and he was in the N-word and doing the whole thing. And uh, the alderman there teed off on it, you know. And sure. I understand, and uh, so I lifted the guy out of there. I, I've known the guy for years. He was a big mouth before. He's still a big mouth. And I said, what am I going to do with this guy? I, I don't want to put him anyplace where he'll be in contact with with blacks or black aldermen. And so I believed in, in solving the problems with a, put him with a strong officer. And I put him with a, a real strong captain who I had a lot of confidence in. And uh, it happened to be very close to the mayor's home, which might have 
caused a little, nothing was ever said, but you never know what people are thinking. Sure. So, and uh, to this day, no one ever told me my time was up. You just get a sense that your time is up. Yeah. And to this day, firemen friends say, yeah, oh, you got screwed on that deal. I said, no, I didn't. I said, I knew it. I knew this when I took the job. This was like signing on as the manager of the Cubs. <laughs> right. You're it's, the latest a, thing, and sooner yeah. or later, you're going to be an asshole. Right. I understand that. Let's get on with it. Well, you got immediately replaced by Cortez Trotter, who was, um, uh, he came from the alarm office, right? No, he was a paramedic. He was paramedic, but wasn't he working in the alarm office, though? Uh, no, but he was he was uh, my first deputy, and he was on the committee that was redoing the nine one one center. Okay. Yeah. No, he didn't. That come was the, there. that was just a project he was working on. Yes. Okay. Yes. And and it uh, his appointment served some other purposes too. Sure. Sure. But you will. A lot of people do feel that you got a bad rap, but. If you go through the lineage of Chicago Fire Department commissioners, you know that's kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's worse. That, that's kind of how it happens. Sooner you know? or later, you're yeah. going to be an asshole. Yeah. Did um? How long did you spend as commissioner? Four years, right? Four and a half. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And how many years had you been on the fire department at that point? When I left. Um. Thirty nine. Thirty nine. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah. So you yeah. you would spend some time. <laughs> Yeah. Had um going back to when you got the position of commissioner, what was uh what were your thoughts in taking that position? Like were you excited? Like what were you No, I mean it was just another it's not a job you were you were trying to get no, to not at, not at all. Commissioner of the fire department? Yeah, not at all. Well no, I just was wanted to do what I was doing the best I could do. Sure. And it evolved at some point, you know, some things were inevitable, you know. Right. Uh, but no, was I trying to become the fire commissioner? No. If, if I was still back at Truck 16, I would enjoy that too. <laughs> yeah. So here's what I want to know. Like, what are the commissioner perks? Like, the commissioner position's got to come with a couple... Well, you, you know, get per, to do like, a podcast. Right. <laughs> no, but like <laughs> somewhat after right? 20 years later, you had, you had, you had a take home car before, right? Yes. Yeah. And then you get like, do you get like a special take home car? Is there like, or no, is it the same thing? There's a driver. Uh, okay. Oh. And like, all right. So he you, sleeps in my garage. Hell <laughs> yeah. No, no, you don't that's, want him. No, no, no. That's what I mean, Corey's been doing you don't want, you don't for want a long time now. Right. Yeah, you can't be in the house. Right. Oh. Yeah, then you're gonna have to feed him. Right. You know. Yeah, uh, all right. So you have it. All right. So here's here's what I really want to know. Oh, boy. All right. So you have a driver. Does the driver get up in the morning and come and pick you up from home? Most days, yes, but sometimes, <sighs> sometimes no. Oh, okay. Uh, I'd pick him up. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, we we worked very closely together. You know, <laughs> we were friends. You know, okay. At that all point, right. Yeah. You know. Who is your, who is your driver? Though. Eddie Fitzgerald. Okay, and you get a you get to pick your guy, right? Yes, because I, I think I was reading in our contract. There's like <coughs> six or eight spots that can be appointed, like promotional spots that the commissioner can actually designate without like testing or something like that, right? 
Is that oh, a thing? I'm, sure it's and, not I, I'm, not, I'm not aware of that. But but somebody said that they use that in the contract so that the commissioner can pick his drivers and do all that stuff. Is that is yeah, that a I, rumor? I, I, I never heard that. I never. I wouldn't think that would be contested. Is there another guy that drives you if you're on furlough, or if the if the driver's on furlough? I could have one, but no, I nah. So you know, you ask what the perks are. <laughs> Certainly. The prestige of being the fire commissioner okay. is an issue, but, but that's double uh, barrel. Double, yeah, that's double a edged problem, sword. You know. Yeah. Do you stop out and have a few drinks with your friends? No. No. Do you? Um, Not with fucking camcorders everywhere. <laughs> do you take the city car to jewel and shop? Not often. No, because. Everybody's watching. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like you got a Everybody's target on your back at that point. Absolutely. I and do you get to go to a lot of those dinners downtown? Every fucking night of the week. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, probably begrudgingly. I would think. Absolutely. At that point. Yeah. Well, we yeah. we promised that we would never talk about this before, because I think <laughs> we've had three swings and a miss at this. But oh god, he was actually the commissioner during this time. Are you sure he was the commissioner? I'm, I'm looking at my notes. I'm 40% but, uh, sure. But, hey, Steve was positive about the last time I brought this up. Are we up. talking about the E2 nightclub? Yes. <laughs> so, Commissioner, we've tried to elaborate on this event f- since the beginning of this podcast. And, and every time that we were 100% certain that somebody had anything to do with this like we had Pete Lazara on. He's like, I wasn't even there. Yeah, I was right. not. And, at and, and that story had evolved to the point where Pete was running around saving lives You're left and right. Putting tags on people's earlobes. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and he was like, I wasn't even there. Right, he's like, so, what is that? But it? the E2 event, the E2 nightclub event, uh, which wasn't a fire... <laughs> Was during your oh, tenure as you're a commissioner. Be, you're about to be so disappointed right now. Am I? I, yeah. I don't think so. I got a good feeling about this. So that was February 17th, 2003. Now this, I don't know if you accidentally came up with this number, Corey, but 21 <laughs> people did die in that event. And that was because they all got stacked up in the doorway. And you can see pictures and videos of these people stacked up like, I, like cordwood in the doorway, unable to get out, and right. a lot of them suffocated right there, feet from the doorway. And this was uh, this was in 03, so you were still, still the commissioner at that yeah. point. So, like, what what has a commissioner? How did this play out for you with the Chicago Fire Department? I was very upset about it because the fire alarm office never called me. Are you serious? <laughs> I didn't go. I, yeah, he was in. He I was in Naperville. At the bone of beef. <laughs> I went the next day. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so you just woke up and said, hey, you know what's going on today? Oh, nothing. 21 people <laughs> just you died. How did you find out about the newspaper? You know, the, I the don't new- remember how I oh. found out about it. Dang, this is what's <laughs> so sweet. Did this even what what happen? T- what a terrible, awful Let's... event in the history of the city of Chicago. Right. And out of all the people that we've had in here... Not one of them. Not one. Nobody can speak to it. Nobody can speak to it. I'll tell you. Not even the commissioner of the Chicago Fire Department in 2003. The awful event is the constant reemergence of this conversation. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. Wow. Well, how could how could anyone miss the McCormick Place fire? (laughs) I'm on truck four. That's our response. 
I was scheduled to be on watch at that time that the alarm came in, but I was a certified basketball referee. <laughs> and the chief asked me if I would go into the projects and referee the, referee oh the games. So I would referee the games, and after a number of days of doing that, he said, take the next day off. That, that was the payback. So I took the next day off. My wife in the morning tells me, hey, there was a fire at McCormick Place. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you never know. What, right. What, um, you are, as the former head of a fire department, could you, can you, can you speak to any leadership advice at all to, to guys across top to bottom? Um, if you can give anybody advice on the fire department, like Corey, mostly probably me. needs advice. Right, mostly me. Uh, well, the, the thing that kept me day to day, I was for a long time in various positions, not because I was the commissioner. Sure. I was in position to help some people. Uh, now, the things that I and we did were helpful to people's careers and stuff like that. I don't think you can do that stuff anymore. I know that now when the uh, candidate class graduates from the academy, there is no, we, we would recommend, you know, hey, that's that's Murphy's son-in-law. You're not supposed to. It, right? You're supposed well, to just, there, you go into relief and then you get an assignment. No, I, I, I'm so the candidates, the fire candidates, I'm talking to some guy in the neighborhood. I said, hey, I heard your kid was in the class. Yeah. How'd he do? He said, he went to the northwest side. What's that about? Uh. Well, that was a reaction to the way we did it for 100 years. There was no my brother-in-law's son, you know, and all that kind of stuff. That all came back. But I don't mean just things like that, favorable assignments, but... I had guys would call me and say, you know, uh, my wife is sick. And I, he said, I think she's got mental issues. And he said, it kills me when I go to the firehouse. And I'd say, you want me to find a place for you? Fire Prevention Bureau. Ah, screw you. You're not putting me in the bureau. I said, well, don't be asking me for <laughs> right. a favor. And, and so I was able to do that. And I did that. And I, I'd counsel guys. And I'd say, you know, this isn't worth your family. Go right. spend some time in the Fire Prevention Bureau. You know, go mm. do something. Spend nights at home. Yeah, do yeah, work yeah I, I, and I could yeah. do that. Well, had, when you were a commissioner, would you take a phone call from a blue shirt? I did. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Not, I couldn't necessarily do anything. Uh, one issue was in the new union contract, the city insisted on something the police always had, I guess, the 4%, where you can, um, no. Uh, 7%? No, the the guy who isn't going to score well on the test, but he's a great merit. A great fireman, merit. Oh. Police had that. We did not have it. And when uh, it was negotiated in our contract, uh, well, the, of course, the union guys are MF and all that. But do we have that? Yeah, you can score on merit. Yeah, it's looked down upon. So when it first started, you put out a, an order that 
everyone with X number of years and all this stuff, if you're a company officer, I don't remember the details, the company officer or the battalion chief would write you up and okay it, that this is the guy I would recommend for merit. I mean, you can't recommend everybody in your battalion, but so they would do that. And then I'd hear guys in the neighborhood funk, and I, I, and I want my name on that list. And Your union negotiated this, so stop with it. You know. uh, you're, you're given It's in uh, your contract. The contract isn't a total giveaway. There's give and take in a contract. It's mutual disappointment. <laughs> so Steve's couching. <laughs> so sure enough, you're fucking goddamn right. It was mutual disappointment. I'm out there giving it all that I can. Just watching, watch, watch all watch. that I can. He's There's been waiting for two hours yeah. and twenty six minutes. Uh, three hours and twenty six. It's not my oh. fault. Okay, y'all went just as long as I did. Hey, all right. So um, sure enough, on. it came time to. Make merit promotions. Sure. So, I, you know, we didn't pull those out of our hat. You would get the legitimate list that came through the process with the union approval. And I said, well, what about this guy? Uh, he's an outsider. We can't do all Southsiders because we were Southsiders, you know, and we can't do all white guys. And, you know, we'd roundtable it and say, well, let's do this guy or that guy. And I always had an Hispanic guy that I worked with closely that I really trusted, and I would call him on the side, and I'd say, I've got these three names. Who would you take? He'd tell me, and that's who I would take. And with the black guys, I had an old-time lieutenant in the projects at 40th and Dearborn, Al Johnson, and I would call Al Johnson. I said, i got to make a black chief, Al. Who do you have experience with? And I would trust his judgment. So I could, you could help people like that. That's one of the pluses. That it's you know you go home feeling pretty good about what you did that day, you know. But then occasionally I'd get a call from somebody, some guy who had been MFing me for about six months. <laughs> hey, what's the chances of a merit promotion? Hey, I say, <laughs> well, I have to check the list. <laughs> Well, I'm not on that list. I said, no, then, no, then I, I don't want the union to cause trouble for you. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, did, all right, so 39 years. It's been 39 years oh, total on the fire department. Here we go. Well, we're not ready for that because oh. uh, the commissioner wants to talk about, said, like, the fire museum. Oh. oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really into, I'm supportive of the union. And I'm really disappointed. When it, when the museum started out, the mayor was not supportive. He, he he said, "Yeah, yeah, good idea," but nobody stepped forward. Was that Richard Daly at the time, or yes? Okay, but nobody stepped forward with a warehouse with a plan a or a how to. Yeah. Oh, they're all in favor of it, but nobody stepped forward to it. So we ended up, um, uh, Alderman. Uh, Burke got a vacant firehouse on the south side. And the museum is there. It's a, just a beautiful place. Not as big as it ought to be. but It's packed. Yeah. The place is packed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the next three generations have totally taken a walk on it. He said, I'll go, like, 
uh, tomorrow morning, the museum has an open house. They only open one Saturday a month. Right. I'll go there tomorrow, and I might be the youngest guy there. Wow. And I'm about to be 80. Wow. Yeah. Well, what, what time is it open? From 10 to 2. It's the greater... Um, Chicago, Chicago, the greater Chicago area fire museum. And it's on Western Avenue? It's at 52nd Western. And uh, this whole generational thing, uh, I don't know. The, uh, it's not the old guys against the young guys, but there is no interest. There seems to be no interest in anything in the fire department from the young guys. Other than it's a good job, punch in, punch out, go home. Right. And that's too bad because that's not what made it so much of, of an organization, you know. So there's never been any active members assigned to the uh, no the Con- the Connors, right? Yes. Yeah, the whole a whole family. Yeah. From the father to the Jack Connors and his son Tim. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, pro bono. There's Andy, there's an, Andy O'Donnell. Who there's another Connor though. The there's a paramedic and a fireman. They're both involved in the museum. Well, Jack and Tim, but the this, the bunk room, the upstairs, is the library. That's where all the records are and all the research and all that stuff. It's like being in uh, they can hardly, Temple of Doom. They can't make the stairs. Yeah. They can't walk the stairs. <laughs> Just jammed. Jack's limping through the place. Andy O'Donnell's 83. Oh. You know, it's, it's a shame that. Oh, it's because it's an old school firehouse, and it's got the, would, the long stairs. Would you say yeah. though? Would you say? And I, and I know, and just I'm a younger guy, and I know the older guys are quick to put the onus on the younger guys. Yes, they are. You know, I feel it, and you know what? A lot of it's deserved by us younger younger men on the job. But is the information out there and readily available? in the format that younger men and women on this job are consuming? Good question. I, I don't know that. Because to be completely honest with you, I knew that the museum was only open one Saturday uh, a month, but I don't know what Saturday that is, and I don't know what times they are. It's the last Saturday. Yeah. I, I do now, Yeah. and I got the guy's number. Uh, and I've called before to have, you know, we do this podcast and we, you know, we've had yeah, father we John McNallis on, on the show and stuff like that. And I've called and text messaged and emailed and yeah. I don't hear nothing back, you know? Uh, well, when we needed help, remember we were looking for that badge. Uh, yeah, that's cause we called jo- father John McNallis right away, you know, but as far as like, Hey, let's, can we get in there? Because the younger members consume this media that we're right. we're putting out there. Hey, maybe we can get in there and take some pictures or a video or whatever, and you know. So I know the there is in 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 your observation a lot of times, uh, or, or or and guys like you with the younger members on the job. Yeah, man, like we punch in, do the job, punch out. We head home to watch the kids, work the side job, whatever it is, and it's kind of like uh, you know. You want to go down to the fire museum? Like, not, not really. Gonna, not going to happen. My, my kid, my kids got baseball uh, yeah. on on the one well, Saturday. You know that you guys are open a month, but but it, you know, and, and also, I've done it plenty of times with just as many silly things like you know, like a, a build a bear or a, or a what's it Union uh, 
um, the Union Railroad Museum, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. where you plan a day for something, sure, and you, and you realize that's not open, you know, because of whatever, because you just didn't realize that, like, the only way to find out was if you dialed this one number that this guy will answer, and like, right, I mean, is. I think what Steve is trying to say is that, like, not necessarily that it's got to be on Instagram or whatever, right, right. but that, like, there's, if... We need to bring more attention to it in a right. format that's viewed by yeah. the younger generation. And, right. and then the, the long, drawn-out question is, is what do we got to do? Right. Yeah. Let us know. You yeah, know? Well, nobody, well, nobody wants to see it the whole way. But what, right. what about it? It, what about the stuff in that museum, which is amazing, by the way? Because Vince has been there. Yeah. And, like, just looking through those old journals, seeing what they wrote down in those journals. Like, you know, I tried to find, like, one that went back so far back. And it's just amazing to see how they wrote in the journals, what they wrote. Like, you yeah. know, went to this fire, you know, or they had, what was that acronym that they wrote? Like, th there was some acronym that in, when they didn't want to write it, they were so busy, they just wrote everything. Gen general truck duties. Right, <laughs> general truck duties. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, GTD. Yeah, yeah. Th that, was yeah. That, that was the journal entry. Yeah. They, you could see that it was a big fire, and they came back, and they just wrote GTD. Uh, <laughs> and then went, went to, to bed. Next and then went to bed. Yeah. <laughs> but, What's the, yeah. But what about it? Like, what do you want people to know about what's in that museum? Like, what is it that you're that you want the newer generation to get from that museum? Well, I'll go there tomorrow morning, yeah, and tell them about this. And you guys have to give me names and numbers and stuff like that because they're not going to get this any more than I did. You know, mm. uh, I already thought I was going to have to stop for makeup. <laughs> we Vin still get you done <laughs> Vincent <laughs> I mean but yeah I'll, I'll bring it up it, uh, my problem is who am I going to bring it up with right and right. and I think I think that that's kind of what because we've done mobile podcasts before we have we and have I'm saying oh you'd be a ideal. podcast at the fire museum in this in this place that we could die in because of the <laughs> the amount of <laughs> perishables and ignitables. In the <laughs> I'm just throwing it out. Yeah, there. no, you absolutely. Know, I, 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 I thought we talked about this before that we were going to. I do think that. we yeah. have. Well, I think we have. So but, I'll, I'll yeah. work on. That. But now we have an advocate. Right. The we have, ad, we have the sure. advocate. Sure. Yeah. Right. I would I like again. to see the. But do you? Is it like important to, see the to bus you? At the academy to bring the candidates there as part of their daily. Right. You know, a, a day, you know. Well, you're talking to the guy right here. That would be so. I mean, you know, I, we were talking before we started recording that, uh, or actually when we were talking on the phone, that, you know, it, it's important that we have, uh, you know, now that, like, labor contract is part of the academy, right? That's part of the curriculum. Is it? Yeah. It's a state mandate now. That. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But. The history should be part of it too. You, when you, you go through the academy, like part and you don't know where you're going until you realize where you're coming, from, where you came from. Yeah, that yeah. was another Coryism right there. Oh, yeah, I made it. Nailed it. <laughs> I did. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> but is is it important to you? Has you know your generation of Chicago Fire Department that the new guys understand 
the items that are in that firehouse, the old gear, the old journals, the old pumpers. They, you know, they have that original pumper or, you know, that, that, that relic that's in there. Is it important to you that these guys know that history and where they came from? Well, it would be easy for me to say yes, but the guy, my generation guys that I meet with, they never go there either. You know, I just... Right. I'm the only fire commissioner that goes there. Right. And there's been about five or six since me. I was saying, that's... I don't know if they've ever been in the damn place, you know? I mean, it's definitely a testament to you, but yeah, I mean, how do you... How do you how do you speak of, of the importance of the place when I'm know, just I'm worried about when you're it. not leading by example yeah yeah yeah, sure. yeah there there's so many cool things like just to be able to you know and it's all right there it's not like behind glass or it's not behind some ropes you get to right. be in there and it's like a fully immersive like firehouse they have the old terminal where you oh, see how, and that, they'll run, the, 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 they even have the Joker the, stand. The Joker stand with the tape that actually runs through it. Yeah, it's you were a, sure. Yeah, it's a cool video thing. That, that's, right? yeah. that's the highlight for my being there to, to watch that and remember it. Yeah. Well, because guys like you spent so much time there. Yeah, you relied on the system yeah. and all that stuff. You know, you know they've got a, a, a dumpy old warehouse at 57th and Western where they've got. I'm going to say four, at least four rigs, more modern rigs that are under repair. And and I don't mean to make light of it, but they meet there once a week for about two hours. And the average age is about 84. <laughs> and they're trying to restore no kidding. a 1924 water tower. Jeez. I'm, a, I'm sorry, but it's just not going to happen. I, I worry about that. So, Ugh. but I'll bring that up. Well, you got tools, Corey. Yeah, I got a bunch of tools. Yeah, yeah. well, the Good skier, things. let me tell you the story about the skier at the gym. <laughs> let's not, let's, let's, let's move on. If you we bring had a up the set. skier, I'm bringing up the baseball cap. We yeah. had one setback. <laughs> that was a two-man. That was a two-man. The baseball cap that you're currently wearing? Thanks for contributing. Vince, did you just ask me about the most expensive baseball cap Listen, that's ever I been have, produced? I have a couple more questions here. Okay, yeah. all before right. we start being Steve, out enough about you, Vince. Uh, can you <laughs> what else do you have on your notes here that that we need to get to? Well, I was laughing recently. I I was <coughs> painting some stuff. Well, I I got I started a couple of hobbies. I'm very tired, you know. I was fascinated. When I read about the reversal of the Chicago River, did you ever hear that? Yeah. Yes. That they, and I, I never thought about it. I said, wait a minute. How do you turn a river around? The locks. No, it was beyond all that. I started looking into that, and uh, I, I, got a, I Googled a book about, the name of the book is The Canal That Saved the City of Chicago. I think oh, it made so much simple sense. You know? <laughs> And I got another book, and I got another book. And finally, I called the retired chief engineer of the water wreck, and he was so pleased that somebody gave a shit. <laughs> <laughs> that he was calling me back, and we were uh, trading notes, and he was telling me to go see this and go see that. And I'm driving around. I'm finding little creeks and 
little bodies of water that I've driven past a hundred times and wondered, where does that come from? Where is it going? And now I'm all over it. <laughs> I'm You're a creek all guy now. over this stuff. <laughs> creek guy. And I went to, um, I kept reading about the uh, McCook something reservoir with the deep tunnel stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said, wait, I know that area. What, what are they talking about? I went to the uh, Bedford Park fire chief uh, I've known a long time, and I said, where in the hell is this reservoir they're talking about? He says, get on LaGrange Road, be northbound on LaGrange Road, and around 70th, you're elevated, and it's nasty, and it's construction and all. And Right, uh, like 50 feet down. Yeah, <laughs> and around 70th, there's a big sign do not enter. He said, enter. <laughs> and so I, I did. I found myself under the 294 construction project, which oh, is the wow. biggest project I've ever seen. Yeah. And I'm under all these hoists and they're moving concrete stuff. And then I started driving east on a dirt road. And you're in the middle of a jungle. You don't know what that. Right. I'm, I'm hearing traffic. I'm seeing stuff that that's my area, you know. And I figured out that's I-55. I'm going almost under it. And there's a little office building there, a modern office building. And I went in there and I said, "You don't have." Uh, I, I wore my. Where's the creek? <laughs> I, I wore my uh, Chicago Fire Department stuff as a, a pass in, you yeah. know. What goes on here? Well, there's acres and acres of this black stuff. It's the residue from the water treatment plant. It's the, the uh, gunk that they spread out. They bring it by rail, and they spread it out, and it, it's aerated, and it turns into fertilizer. And, and now the Tribune is exposing that as it's poisonous. Right. <laughs> it's uh, all-time, whatever, it never goes away. Right. So yeah. I'm, I'm there, and... I met a guy, and I said, where is this reservoir? He said, keep driving east. You won't miss it. Well, I kept driving east. This is the biggest thing I have ever seen. It's unbelievable, and it's still being mined for, huh. for stone, you know. And that's one of about six places that the deep tunnel ends, empties into. And so I was looking at that and marveling at that, and then I figured I've got to get out of here, so... A guy comes along in a pickup truck, and I said, how do I get out of here, Dwight? You have to turn around and go back west to LaGrange Road. No, keep going east. And I said, well, where will that put me? He said, on Harlem. Wabash. Wabash. <laughs> so I started doing that, and I'm going through trees. and I'm, It puts you right on Harlem. Yeah. I'm crossing railroad tracks with trains are coming through, and there's no <laughs> gates or lights or anything, you know. And I'll be damned. I come up at 44th and Harlem. It's next to the Paramarquette Louis Joliet Portage Museum, which is the basis for the whole thing where the French explorers came in 1770, mm. and they met the Indians, and they were looking for the route to the west, to the riches in the west, and the Indians convinced them, go south. Not here. You'll join the, <laughs> you'll join the Mississippi. Okay. And, and in, you know... Short time, you'll be in New Orleans. But there's a portage. There's an area of 30, 40 miles or something that you have to carry your canoe. And huh. this monument is there 
and it lays it out in exact detail. And I'm thinking, God damn, all this stuff is here. Right. And I'm, what I'm, else is around that you right. don't even know about? Well, I'm following this stuff now. You're on the trail. I'm all over <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, yeah. speaking of books, you wrote a book. I co-authored the, the, it. Oh, I, but the co-author is the uh, exact same name. Another James Joyce, yeah. He, J, the same middle initial, yes, too, right? Yes, we went to grade school. I thought together. that was like a joke from you. went to grade you. school together? We went to grade school together. It's, yeah, is yeah. it James really? R. Joyce? James T. James T. Yeah. Co-authored by James T. Joyce. He had written a couple of books. He was a helicopter pilot in Vietnam, and he is a... Uh, guys in the Gang, right? That's the book we wrote. Yeah. yeah. About the, the neighborhood changing and racial stuff. And, right. You know, that kind of stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which... Again, goes back to the fact that, like, one of the things that actually prompted you to leave office when you did was racial slurs. Yeah, so, right. I mean, yeah. go back and read his book. Like, was the the book was uh, uh, before you made commissioner or before uh, after after you? Yeah. yeah. In fact, that I, I mean, I would never argue my case, but they never had anybody who ever did more for diversity. In, as a commissioner, than you did. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. You know, I threw I threw shit out of the garage the other day through an old pair of uniform shoes, and I was laughing about them. And they had paint on them and stuff. I met and shook hands with three presidents with those shoes on. Come oh, on, that's the guy. Who were they? Uh, Clinton and Bush and Bush. Oh man. Yeah. We gotta get them shoes back. Back to back bushes. It was it Vince's was, college nickname. <laughs> it was interesting when Clinton was had been caught with his problems. Sure. And he was a no good guy and all this. And it was April of uh, say ninety nine. It was Daly's birthday. And every April his birthday they the city people have a elaborate lunch. And this day it was at, I don't even remember where it was. So uh, you got to be at the lunch. It's part of your deal. And so I'm with the police superintendent, and we're there, and the, the rumors are going, they're important visitors going to come. And then they told us it was Clinton. Huh. So I was curious because all these high ranking city women and all this stuff, <laughs> what are they going to think about this? You know? Mm-hmm. Well, he came in, and he is. Good looking, dressed, smiling, and he knew my name and Terry Hillard's name. Shook hands, and I thought, "Holy!" Just shit. a charmer. I and the women lined up; <laughs> could not get close <laughs> enough to him. That's yeah. I mean, everything yeah. that I've ever heard about him is that he is just one of the most charismatic yes, guys I've was. ever. And let me tell you. That's so how Mr. Super Sweet, Sweet 16 over here is like, too. <laughs> Every birthday comes around. It's my day. And, and Bush and Bush. Well, it was well, Daly's yeah. birthday. Yeah. And yeah. the president showed up for Daly's birthday. Are you so following who, or who are you, you Who do you want showing up for your birthday? And, and not you. Not you, motherfucker. Bush and Bush were both very nice. Yeah. Were they? Very nice, yeah. Well, you are the highest ranking guy we've had in here, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. What, I mean, I don't think we go any higher. Nope. But what, who, name some other, like, celebrities and stuff like that that you got to meet because you were the commissioner. Which is a perk. Oh, I'll tell you what. I'll (laughs) tell you who I bet he met. How many many championship Bulls players have you met? A few. (laughs) What about the big guy? Did you meet the big guy? Uh, Jordan. 
Yeah. Yeah, because my daughter worked for the management company that. Oh. So you were meeting him no matter what. You were meeting him no matter what. Any other big celebrities that you got to meet? I don't recall anyone that left an impression. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I did. They got to meet him. Yeah. You know? Right now, well, there's the somebody Sox. on a podcast going, I got to meet James Joyce. Did you? <laughs> I, I was a big White Sox fan, and uh, Miniman also, and, and I was oh. part of a group that plugged uh, Nellie Fox for the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, yeah. I still have the shirt, the Nellie Fox Society and all that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's way cooler than the boots, Vince. <laughs> now we got to get the boots. Yeah. Um, what, uh, one more serious question. What, what would you say were your, uh, were your best achievements as commissioner of the Chicago Fire Department? Which one are you, what most, are you most, most proud, proud of? of? Yeah. Oh. I don't know about a single achievement, but no. but the way I treated people yeah. was okay. important. My my dad taught me that without ever realizing he was t- teaching me that. My my dad could go like as a fire <coughs> prevention inspector, he could go into a, a building like this, and the guy would be thanking him for coming over. You know, let's. <laughs> 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 Let's not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> what a wonderful building we have here. I was just wondering about it. But it's a beautiful studio, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, it serves the purpose. There you, I mean, you could barely hear people getting murdered next door. Yeah. Barely. Like, All right. Just <laughs> Let's get oh, to the question. Oh, Steve. The question. So... All right, hang on to your command, uh, your hat. Your command yeah, hat. Your, your command hat. <laughs> um, hang on to them bugles. Yeah, so 39 years complete you did on the Chicago Fire Department, right? Over those 39 years, what is the best prank that you've ever seen at the firehouse? One of the funniest things you've ever seen. We can add it later if you don't like it. <laughs> but we won't. We, we really won't. <laughs> Funniest thing you ever seen. I don't know. Guys have asked me over and over, I, why don't you write a book about the fire department if it was so cool and uh, so much fun? Yeah. I said, because I, I think so much of the institution, <laughs> most of the really good ones are illegal or unethical. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Mostly illegal, probably, yeah. Uh, we, we, we did some, but... Oh... I can't come up with no. That. Yeah, I should have pranked <laughs> no, you. You weren't you weren't the prankster, because every house has that guy. No, I wasn't that guy. No, but you helped. <laughs> I oh, mean, yeah, I enjoyed that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we had Tim Walsh take all the eggs out of a refrigerator and hard boil them, and put them back in the fridge for the shift before for their Sunday breakfast and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Oh, I did see one. Uh, I wasn't part of it, but uh, at the time we were going from multiple refrigerators. Before you just had one. Sure. And the leftovers were left in there, and the other shift ate your stuff, and you know, and then your food cabinets, they'd come in with drills and take the The hinges off. The hinges off (laughs) to get your salt and stuff like that, you know. (laughs) Nothing changed. (laughs) Nothing changed. And, and these guys, they went to the multiple refrigerators at engine 126 over in South Shore. And uh, 
they immediately took a brand new Sears refrigerator and drilled holes in it to put a hasp on, two hasps, you know, so the other shift couldn't get in. Yeah. Of course, they drilled through all the Something lines. Something incredibly The Freon liner, <laughs> yeah. And I watched them put it back together and fill the holes with putty and uh. and fix it up in the... He actually took it back to Sears. <laughs> oh, well, that sounds... Still nothing's right. changed. That I one's in Corey's yeah. garage yeah. right now. Right, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get the money back. I had right. a receipt. Right. Doesn't keep shit cold, <laughs> but he loves it. <laughs> um, yeah, what about... Hey, hey, guys, you remember getting a good... Getting a, getting hammered pretty good on the job when you were around? Nothing you could think of, huh? This is never making it. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that one out. I, I, oh, <laughs> This is this is at the, t- the time of the uh, the other tape the right. when you're already in deep shit. <laughs> I said fire. I said fire to that tape right away. Yeah, that, uh, that guy went on to be a chief. He's a boss now. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's outside. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, on that note, uh, Commissioner. <laughs> Man, I was hoping to stay because I want to make a joke about stretching Steve out really bad. No, you can't. And it can't. wasn't going to go no, the same way. No, it, it's just, yeah, uh, it's not going to happen. Uh, yeah. Well, we're <laughs> we're going to end on that note. But on that note, we want to give you the last word and just whatever it is that you want to say to anybody out there on the on in the fire service at all, uh, you know, what would you like to relate to them? Well, there's... Obviously, there's a lot of fun going on here, and, and uh, it's all done in the right spirit. But the mission you guys have is to spread the word and uh, and let some history live, and that's that's tr- admirable. That's terrific. Uh, we need more of that, and uh, I would hope that the museum would be a vehicle for that. And maybe it may or may not be, but. Uh, uh, I would hope that you'd keep doing this, you know. Uh, we do too. Get guys yeah. that come in and, you know, not to clown it up, but to make some serious points. You know? But to also clown it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it shouldn't be that much different than being in a fire. No, yeah. no, that's the format. <laughs> the <point. laughs> that's the format. Yeah. So uh, with that being said, thank you so much for being here. It's uh, a, a legit honor to thank meet you, you and, and have you on and, and have a glass of whiskey with you so thank you so much well thank you for the invitation anytime and if you got any of those guys that you hang out with uh uh over at the the old 12th battalion uh i'll think about that part yeah 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 we'd love to have them on yeah so thank you again for uh for coming on and enjoy the rest of your retirement i will do that (laughs) i still need two things from you guys turn my phone back on (laughs) and get my car pointed south <laughs> we we will take care of that in the meantime uh, that was chicago's bravest stories the opinions and views are that of chicago's bravest stories and their guests they do not necessarily reflect the views of any municipal governments fire protection districts, fire departments, EMS, or law enforcement organizations. 
Chicago Craver Stories is also brought to you by Illuminated Brewworks, located at 6186 North, Northwest Highway, next to the car wash. This place, obviously, one of our favorite joints. Uh, you, you guys can make sure to uh, find them on their website, ibw-chicago.com, Illuminated Brewworks, ibw-chicago.com.